going to get a little interactive. I'm going to be asking some questions, and they're not rhetorical questions. I'm actually hoping to get some response from you tonight, okay? So I just want to warn you about that in advance. Again, as I said, we're here in Matthew chapter 18, uh, starting at verse 21. Um, There's actually, I think, two hard sayings of Jesus in this text, Um, and we're going to look at both of those in just a second. But first, would you bow your heads and would you pray together with me? Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on your word for us. Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, who is the great storyteller, who teaches us about the kingdom, and who says your your truth that we need to deal with and understand and fortunately know of your incredible love. In your name we pray, amen. So I think there are two hard sayings here. The first of them is found near the beginning of the text, and it was uh, near, uh, the, it's near the front. We had it up on the uh, screens at the beginning. And, and it's this idea that Jesus says in verse 22 that we should forgive 77 times, one translation says, or another says 70 times seven. Those are, those are both possible ways to translate the verses there. I mean, basically what Jesus is saying, more times than you can count. In other words, you should always be forgiving others. That's a hard saying. We'll talk about why in a minute. But, but I think another hard saying is at the very end of this text. Did you notice it? Uh, Jesus is telling us the story, and then at the end he says so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So so here's my first question for you tonight. Which of those is the hardest saying? Forgive people as much as you want, as 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 much as they ask, whenever they need it, you should be forgiving, or if you don't forgive, God's gonna get you. Which do you think? First, how many first one? How many second one? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I agree. What what are we to make of this? Because, you know, we we, we always talk about Jesus being this person who speaks the truth in love. Well, that doesn't sound very loving, does it? Well, we're going to take a look at that uh, together tonight. Now, now first of all, I want to give you one last little bit of background before we dive into this story. Uh, The rabbis of Jesus' day taught that you were to give someone, you were to forgive someone up to seven times. Beyond that, you didn't have to forgive them anymore. But you were to forgive up to seven times. That's where Peter gets this from. When he comes to Jesus with this question, basically what Peter is saying is, well, the other rabbis teach seven times. How about you, Jesus? You're our rabbi. Is seven the right number? Um, now, I, I like to picture, by the way, uh, that Andrew's been like really ticking Peter off lately, and uh, Peter's counting in his head, one, two, three, four, five, six, I think I'm at seven, and he's looking for an excuse, right? But, uh, but, but nevertheless, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter asked this question about seven because that's what other rabbis were teaching, and here's where they got this from. Uh, there are a few Old Testament verses where it talks about God forgiving three times but not a fourth. Um, in, uh, in Amos 1, 3, and 2, 6, he, he's talking, God is talking to his people, and he says, for three transgressions, I will forgive, but for four, I will not revoke the punishment. It, two different versions of that there in Amos. 
Um, and in Job, um, in Job chapter 33, um, it, it actually says there that God forgives three times. And so, so the rabbis, knowing that God sets an example for us in his Bible, and in a few cases here, of forgiving three times, um, what the rabbis would do is they would say, well, we don't want to come even close to breaking that rule. So let's double it and add one more just for good measure, okay? So that's where they got seven from. Now, by the way, we call this practice, which the rabbis did all the time, putting a hedge around the law, or a hedge of protection around the law. Um, it's, it's a similar kind of thing. If you talk to, uh, let's say, how many of you maybe when you grew up were taught dancing? No, bad, shouldn't be dancing. Yeah, okay, there's a few folks. Now, now my guess is, if you had asked your pastor, where in the Bible does it say that you can't dance? He would have said, well, it doesn't. Dancing itself isn't a sin, but when you dance, you might start sinning by thinking some other things you shouldn't be thinking or maybe even end up doing some things at the end of the evening you shouldn't be doing. So we're not even going to get close to that. We're not even going to dance, okay? By the way, it was the same thing with playing cards. Some of you might have, you know, card playing. No, Christians shouldn't be playing cards. Um, same thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't play cards. But, but there were people that were saying, well, but you shouldn't gamble. And so, you know, if you start playing with cards, who knows that where that might end up so you shouldn't play cards. That's called putting a hedge of protection around the law. And, and so the Pharisees were doing that here. They were saying, we know for sure you got to forgive at least three times. So let's make sure we're safe. Double that six times. Add one more just for good measure, seven times. If you forgive seven times, you're not even going to get close to, to, to violating God's law. Okay. So Peter comes to Jesus with a legitimate question. He says, is, is that the right number? I mean, maybe he was even thinking, well, maybe it should only be three times because that's what the Old Testament says, right? And instead, Jesus comes back to him and he goes, well, how about this? Um, as many times as is needed, forever. You just keep forgiving more than you can count. I don't think that's the answer that Peter was expecting to you. And it's certainly not a very comfortable answer for us because sometimes it's just hard to forgive. Now, why is that? And again, remember, not a rhetorical question. Well, what do you think? Why is it so hard to forgive sometimes? I mean, sometimes it's easy, you know. You know, somebody says, oh, man, I put a little dent in your car. I'm really sorry. I'll pay for it. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'll forgive you. That's okay. Get it fixed. We're good. But sometimes it's not that easy, right? So why do you think that is? Why do you think it's hard to forgive sometimes? Pardon? Because we don't forget the Bible actually says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God says, I've removed your transgressions from you. And in fact, in another place it says, God says, I will remember your sin no more. When God forgives us, he actually forgets. I, I have this image of someday in heaven going up to Jesus and go, you know, Jesus, thank you so much for forgiving me. Man, there's that one thing I did back, you know, when I was 22, and, and that was horrible. And I'm making that up, by the way. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Um, and, and it was really horrible, and I can't believe you forgive me, forgave me for that. And he's going to go, I don't remember that, right? He forgot. But we don't forget. We remember, right? We take it personally. When, when someone has hurt us, when someone has done something that we need to forgive them for, there, there's, a, there's a personal nature, nature to it. There's a relational nature. In fact, the, the fact is, it's easier to forgive a stranger than it is someone close to you, isn't it? Because of that relationship, it's hurt. Anyone else? 
Yeah, Sandy. It doesn't help them. If, if, if they keep hurting me and I keep forgiving them, then it just teaches them that, well, there's no consequences here, right? Yeah. So you might actually, out of a genuine care for the other person, not want to forgive them because it might not help them. Anyone else? Why is, why is it hard to forgive? Yeah, John. Yeah, some, sometimes it's how much the hurt was, right? The dent in the car is one thing. But somebody came in and said, I don't, man, I don't know what happened. I, I accidentally took a baseball bat to every window in your car. I, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it's going to be a little harder, right? Right, good. Now, now these are, oh, go ahead, please. Yeah, if I forgive you this time, you might do it again, right? And, and these are all great legitimate reasons, aren't they? So, so then why is it that Jesus wants us to forgive well, fortunately, Jesus helps us to understand this. He wanted Peter to understand this, and he wanted us to understand it. So again, we got kind of a mix between the weekend and, and midweek here where Jesus tells us a parable, a story. So let's, let's unpack this parable together. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time in the message tonight. And by the way, Nick told me I had till 8.15. Is that right? <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. You know what it means when a pastor looks at his watch, right? Absolutely nothing, okay? So, but uh, we will try to stay on time. But, but, but what I want to do with the rest of the message is um, I want to take some time uh, to unpack this parable with you so we really understand what Jesus is trying to teach. And then I have four questions. These are rhetorical questions, more for you to ponder. Four questions for you to think about at the end of the message, okay? So let's take a look. Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. Um, that was, would have been a common practice in those days, that a king would get to a point and he'd say, okay, time for me to settle up with some folks that owe me some money. Okay, it's, it's payday. Um, and so when he began to settle, one was brought into him who owed, in this translation, the ESV says, 10,000 talents. The NIV that we read in worship talked about bags of gold. Um, just to give you a, a little bit of perspective on this, first of all, the talents that, that are used here, the, the entire tax burden for all of Judea and Samaria for a whole year in Jesus' day was, guess how many talents? 600. Yeah. So, so think about this. This guy owes the king um, more than the entire tax burden of all of Judea and Samaria for a whole year times whatever many years you got to multiply 600 by to get to 10,000. I did not do the math in my head, but anyway, it's a, it's a lot of money. And by the way, 10,000 was the largest number they knew how to write in Greek. So, so basically, what, what it, it would, the, the equivalent for us would be like saying, um, I owe you a gazillion dollars, right? It's like the biggest number I know, right? So in other words, what Jesus is saying here is this guy owed him this incredible sum of money. You know, some commentators speculate, how could he have possibly uh, gotten to a place where he owes that much money? I don't think Jesus was trying to, to teach us about, um, you know, what kind of crime was possible in Jesus' day, okay? I think the point he's just trying to make is, this guy owed more money than you can imagine. 
And since he couldn't pay, of course, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had so payment could be made. By the way, it sounds like the king's being cruel. He's not. That was common practice in those days. It was just what happened. It was, it was what was legal. It was the law. It's kind of like, you know, if you don't pay your taxes for a certain number of years, eventually the IRS might garnish your wages, right? And, and, uh, and that seems cruel to us, but, but it's just, that's common practice. And so the king is just doing what he was entitled to do under the law, common practice. He basically sells this family into slavery to recoup whatever little bit of money of his debt he could. Perfect right to do that. But before the king has a chance to do it, 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 the servant falls on his knees and he implores him and he says, have patience with me and I will pay you. How sincere is that promise? It's impossible, right? I mean, if this really is this huge sum of money that that, is beyond understanding, for him to say, just give me a little time and I'll pay you, it's not a very sincere promise. So I have a question for you tonight. Have you ever made a promise to God that was pretty insincere? I have. I mean, I, I think of every time I've come up to this communion rail and I've knelt down with a particular sin in mind and I've said, thank you for forgiving me. I promise I will never do that again. I had about as much chance of keeping that promise as this guy, right? Right? The good that I want to do, I don't do, and that which I don't want to do, I do, Paul says in Romans 7. So we can relate. So the guy says, you know, I have patience and I'll pay you everything. And then there's this stunning twist in the story where where the king looks at him and instead of laughing in his face, how could you pay a gazillion dollars? It's never going to happen. He says, all right, not only am I not going to sell your family into prison, I'm going to just cancel your debt. Just forget it. You don't owe me a dime. It's done. I, I, I imagine Peter and the other disciples hearing this story almost gasped at that point. It's like, what? You know, if this was a, a, a movie on Netflix, we'd go, oh man, that's just so improbable. No one would ever do that, right? But he does. He forgives him. And, uh, and by the way, the word here is kind of interesting when it says that the the king had pity on him. Do you remember ever hearing about when Jesus would look at the crowds and it says he looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd? Did you ever hear anybody talk about that word? The word there is splankna in the Greek. And, and, and I, don't, I don't like necessarily teaching Greek words, but, but, but that one is just splankna. It's like from the guts. So like when Jesus turns and, and, and he sees the crowds, it's like he gets this sick feeling in his stomach. He has compassion on them. And, and that's the same word he uses here for the king and this man. The, the, he looks at the guy and he just gets sick in his stomach. And he's like, I'm going to forgive this guy. And he does. So of course, what's the parallel for us? It's exactly how God has forgiven you, right? How many sins have you committed in your life? Quick, count them up right now for me, would you? (laughs) Think it might be a gazillion. But when Jesus looks at us, he gets a sick feeling, and he just wants us to be forgiven. And he forgives us. Amazing. But there's part two to the story, isn't there? But when the same servant went out, 
he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, now some commentators are kind of make light of this, and you can make light of this in view of the what the previous guy owned, no doubt. But a hundred a denarii was a day's wages. So, so do the math. This is three months' wages. This is not an insignificant amount of money. Um, and so he seizes him and he begins to choke him and says, pay what you owe. And, and so his fellow servant falls down and pleads with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Does it sound familiar? S- same request, right? Have patience with me and I will repay you. But there's no splunkna here, is there? He, he doesn't have that same compassion for the guy. Now, by the way, just real quick, is it possible that this guy could have done what he was promising? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's three months wages. It wouldn't have been easy. It wouldn't have happened fast. But give him a year or two, he probably could have gotten that done. But this guy, he refuses. Literally, it says he was unwilling. In other words, he made a conscious decision not to forgive. So, so it's not that it didn't occur to him. Literally, it says he was unwilling to forgive him. He thought about it, went, no. And he went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. Again, a reasonable practice in that day. Okay, for this amount of money, throwing someone in prison. By the way, how's he going to pay it if he's in prison? He's not, but his family will. Right? I mean, it's, the family's going to work it off now to try to get this guy out of prison. Now, when the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they tattled. I mean, that's what it sounds like to us, right? But, but, but remember, you know, our first reaction is, well, geez, why did they have to go run and tattle to the king, right? But, but we need to re- remember that, that there's a, cor- a sense of corporate responsibility in the society of Jesus' day that isn't necessarily in our society, okay? We tend to look at things through the lens of rugged individualism, which is what we think of ourselves as American in Jesus' day, there was much more of a sense of community. And if one thing was bad in the community, it affected everybody in the community. And so, again, this was a very reasonable, normal, expected thing for the other servants to do, to go let the king know what has happened. And then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? I'm going to stop there just a second. Let me ask you this. Why do you think he was unwilling to forgive the guy? Pardon? He needed money? He didn't need money nearly as much as he did 10 minutes before, right? But, yeah, you know, needed money? Greed? Self-service? Yeah. He's angry with himself. He, he, he's still beating himself up about that situation he was just in. Um, do you think maybe he was worried that if he just let the guy off, the guy might just get in debt again, so he's thinking about the other guy? Or, or do you think maybe he was hurt because this was a friend of his and this guy's taking advantage of him and there's hurt? You see what I'm doing here, right? It's a lot of the reasons we talked about before. Maybe some of those same reasons why we say it's hard for us to give other, forgive others, maybe they were the same kind of reasons that this guy found it hard to forgive this other guy. Um, 
I, I think, by the way, if you, if you ask me, there's a part of him that still feels like he owes a gazillion dollars. I mean, I mean, imagine if he had encountered this guy an hour before, and he knows in a few minutes he's got to go in and talk to the king that he owes a gazillion dollars to. This is very reasonable behavior, isn't it? Because he's like, I, I got to pay this guy? You got some money, maybe if I can get 100 denarii from you and give it to him, at least he'll give me a, be a little more patient with me with my debt. This is really reasonable behavior an hour before. What makes it so unreasonable is that it's, he's been forgiven, right? But it's almost as if he doesn't get that. It's almost as if he still feels like he has to live like he's got this huge debt hanging over his head. Yeah, right, yeah. Maybe, maybe. So, now we get to what Jesus had to say. So in anger, the master delivers him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt, which is, of course, as we know, is a lifetime sentence that will never happen. It can't ever happen. Um, by the way, notice what the master doesn't do that he was originally going to do. He doesn't throw his family into prison. Just this man. He doesn't make the family pay for what this guy just did. But then Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. And so here's the four questions that I want you to think about a little bit tonight. Because folks, Here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, I'll punish you if you don't forgive people. Because we've already been forgiven, right? We've even been forgiven for those times when we don't forgive others. What Jesus is trying to help us see is if we won't forgive others, or if we struggle forgiving others, Maybe we don't really know what we've been forgiven. Because remember, again, if I can't forgive you, but I don't think God has forgiven me, well, there's some symmetry there. But if I really understand, and again, the guy in the story, the story seems to say he really doesn't understand that he's been set free. He's not acting like it. If we really understand how much we've been forgiven, how much we've been set free, well, then we, we can't help but forgive others. So, so here's the four questions for you to ponder a little bit tonight, and I have a little story with a couple of these, okay? Here's the first question. Do you really understand the depth of what you've been forgiven? Just think about that for a minute. Again, remember, these are rhetorical. Don't say anything, all right? Do you really understand the depth of what you've been forgiven? Let me give you an example, and it kind of goes back to the car example that we used at the beginning today. Um, imagine you came home from work today. I imagine somebody had to come here straight from work or maybe grab a quick bite. You, you get home from work tonight, and one of your neighbors is waiting for you on the front porch, um, and he's got the mail from your mailbox, um, and, and he says, hey, I grabbed the mail in the mailbox for you, and I just want you to know I paid one of the bills for you. What's your response going to be? And, and 
that your answer should be, well, I don't know. Which bill did he pay? <laughs> right? Because if the bill he paid was the 25 cent postage due on the top letter, you'll probably say, thanks, here's a quarter, right? But what if it was the 10 years back tax notice from the IRS? I think your response might be a little different, right? See, see the, the, the more we know what someone paid, the greater our thanks are going to be. So what did Jesus pay to forgive you? Everything. His life. Scripture tells us that it's not with gold. I mean, uh, Luther's explanation to the second article of the creed. I always get scripture and Luther mixed up. That's not a good thing, by the way. Um, uh, uh, second article of the creed, he says, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, right? That's what Jesus paid for us. So again, the first question, do you really understand the depth of what you've been forgiven? Number two, do we, really, do we really realize the fleeting nature of what others have done to us? Let me say that one more time. Do you really realize the fleeting nature of what others have done to you? And some of you might be sitting here going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Mark. You have no idea what people have done to me. It wasn't fleeting. It was serious, and I've got scars. But let me ask you this. After 10,000 years in heaven, how deep will those scars be? Will you even remember them? I, I said before I used to teach, you guys know that, I taught seventh grade for a lot of years. And, and this one year, these two girls who I knew had been best friends all throughout grade school got into a fight with each other, and it was bad. And it was not just affecting the two of them, it was affecting every girl in the classroom. They had been forced to choose sides. And, uh, and, you know, I went from loving going to school every day to hating going to school every day. And it was all because these two girls, you know. And so I finally pulled them aside during recess and I sat the two of them down. I'm like, all right, we're figuring this out. What did you guys do? By the way, they couldn't even remember. But they had done enough other stuff because of the original thing that now it was all out war. And, and I was beside myself, and this was one of those moments where I had no idea what to say. I wanted to just slap them up both upside the head, but of course, you'd, you know, would have lost my job, you know. Um, and, and finally, in frustration, I did two things. I prayed in my head, I said, God, give me something to say. And then I opened my mouth and these are the words that came out. Do you guys think after 2,000 years in heaven, you're really still going to be mad at each other? And they went. And they both started crying. And before long, they were hugging. And again, I'm not taking any credit for that. That was all God, because I wanted to hit him. Just remember that, all right? <laughs> but, but so think about that again for a minute. Here's the question one more time. Considering the fact that you are eternal, you are going to live forever, you will be in heaven for millions of years. Do we really realize the fleeting nature compared to eternity of what others have done to us? Question number three. Do we understand that forgiveness for us as human beings is a choice and an outward action first? First. 
And emotions follow later, sometimes years and years and years later. Let me say that one more time. Do we understand that forgiveness is a choice? Remember in the parable, when the man had, the, had this guy in front of him, he made a choice. He decided not to forgive. He was unwilling to forgive. Do we understand that forgiveness is a choice of outward action first? In other words, how we decide moving forward, here's how I am going to treat you. I am going to forgive you. Even though in here, I'm not going to feel that. And as Skip said before, up here, I'm not going to be able to forget. Not like God does. But I'm going to make the choice to forgive. Even if I know my emotions are going to come later, sometimes many, many years later, maybe not till heaven later. And then finally, here's the last one. Do we understand the harm and the danger unforgiveness causes us? See, that's why this is such a big deal for Jesus. Because he knows that when we don't forgive others, often it hurts us more than them. I remember one time, uh, there was this guy that um, had done some things that I thought were just way out of line and had really put me in a very, very difficult position um, as his boss. And, uh, and so we, we worked through them at some great cost and it was difficult and it was a long drawn out process and I had a lot of trouble forgiving that guy. And it was about five years later, I saw him at a, a district conference. And, 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 and I went up to him and, and I said, you know, I, I just want to tell you, I, I'm really sorry, but I, I'm still having trouble forgiving you. And I, and I just got to apologize. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, seriously, well, how did it bother him? He didn't care. Who was being hurt by that? Me, Right? And that's why Jesus wants us to really experience the fruit of forgiveness, the fruit of his forgiveness for us in our lives, because it frees us. It frees us. I mean, imagine that parable on the flip side, that that guy comes out, and this guy sees him and says, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I know all your money for you. And he's like, that's fine. I don't care. Forget it. I, I, just, I just got a gazillion dollars. You're fine. Think how much better his day would have gone. And not just because of what happened to him with the king, right? Folks, Jesus is not warning us that there's one sin that God will not forgive, and that's unforgiveness. What he's, what he's telling us is, if we don't forgive others, we don't really understand what we've been forgiven. And when we have been given that gift of his love and his grace, that's where we find the power to, to make the decision to forgive others. And he promises us someday he'll make our heart catch up. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, it is so hard sometimes to forgive others. It hurts what they've done to us and, 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 and we have fear that if we forgive, then we're just going to get taken advantage of again. And, and we may even legitimately, for the sake of that person, worry that, that somehow by us forgiving them, it'll hurt them. But your word is clear. Our, the, the, the 
amount of forgiveness we have to give others is, is only outmatched by the amount of forgiveness that you have given us. So Lord, help us to be forgiving people. Forgive us for the times when we've struggled to forgive others. Let your forgiveness and the power of your love for us overflow so fully in our lives that we can forgive others. And Lord, where we've made the decision to forgive out of respect and response to your forgiveness for us, but we still don't feel that forgiveness, remind us that your love can conquer everything. And it may take some time, but eventually we will, you will set us free. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.